Hey, uh, it is such a privilege to welcome uh, Pastor Matt Sweetman as he comes to bring God's Word. He can't hear you, but it'd be awesome just to give him a cheer as uh, he brings God's Word to us now. That'd be great. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, uh, Twig. It is awesome to be together tonight. Good work for making it this far without being distracted by the remainder of what's in your Facebook newsfeed. And I want to invite you uh, now as uh, just to open up your heart to what the living God might want to say to us tonight, His people. When I was growing up, my parents thought it would be better if my siblings and I didn't watch the TV show, The Simpsons. Uh, Mostly this was fine. We didn't even really know what we were missing out on, to be honest, not a lot looking back now. Uh, But the only problem was that my friends at school, a lot of my mates were really big Simpson fans, which sometimes left me feeling a little on the outer. Anyway, I distinctly remember um, this one morning before class, we were hanging around together. I think I would have only been 10 or 11 or something at this point. And my mates were talking about the episode of The Simpsons uh, from the night before. Remember when you could only watch one episode a night? Uh, How lame was that? Anyway, in my 11-year-old desperation to be a part of the banter as they were all reminiscing and laughing on what had happened in the episode before, I, uh, I piped up and was literally like, oh yeah, and did you see the bit when, and I just made something up. I included the words Bart and Homer to sort of make it sound uh, legitimate. Now, just to clarify, I had not witnessed the episode the night before. I, I, I'd probably only seen yet uh, The Simpsons a couple of times in my entire life. This was a straight up lie. I'm embarrassed to say this is a straight up lie to my mates on this occasion. But the funniest thing was, my, my 11-year-old friends in their desperation not to be left out, um, as I sort of said this, they were all just like, oh yeah, that was so funny. That was such a good part. It legitimately never happened. Like legitimately. Um, this, this is just a bizarre situation looking back on it now. We're in this series about being witnesses to Christ, Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth. And I wanna ask Tonight, I want us to wrestle with this question. What is the character of a genuine witness to Jesus Christ? Not a fake witness, a false witness like uh, what I'd made up as I spun that to my friends that day in primary school, but what is a genuine witness to the majestic Lord of all the universe look like? There's of course um, a lot of dimensions to That question, but I want to wrestle just one angle on it tonight, and that comes from 2 Corinthians. Uh, In this particular book, Paul is essentially asking this question of the church at Corinth What does a genuine witness to Jesus look like? We're going to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, reading verses 14 through 17. This is God's word, it's good. I encourage you to reflect on it uh, tonight here with us. Starting verse 14. But thank God he has made us his captives and continues to lead us along in Christ's triumphal procession. Now he uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere like a sweet perfume. Our lives are a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God. 
But this fragrance is perceived differently by those who are being saved and by those who are perishing. To those who are perishing, we are a dreadful smell of death and doom. But to those who are being saved, we are a life-giving perfume. And who is adequate for such a task as this? You see, we are not like the many hucksters who preach for personal profit. We preach the word of God with sincerity and with Christ's authority, knowing that God is watching us. This is God's word to us, his people here tonight. The church, the believers in this city of Corinth within the Roman Empire, they were at a crossroads. Paul had told them about Jesus, had witnessed to Jesus. But after Paul had left, another group of apostles had come in and discredited Paul and gave their own testimony about what Jesus was like. And the Corinthians had to make a decision as to who they believed to be a genuine witness to who Christ was. Paul's opponents had come in and sought to discredit him on the basis of the suffering that he had experienced in his life. You see, Paul had been in and out of prison. He'd been in and out of hospital. Hospitals weren't around back then, but he'd he'd be injured a lot in and out of the equivalent. Uh, Paul was pretty unpopular. Uh, He had a, a lot of people who were against him. He didn't have much money. Surely he couldn't be that valuable if he was so poor. He often seemed weighed down and weak. He had to make tents on the side just to survive. Paul wasn't an eloquent speaker. He was rather clumsy actually when he talked. Surely this type of life didn't reflect a witness to Jesus that bore the seal of the authority of God. On the other hand, the, uh, these apostles that had discredited Paul, they were elegant speakers. They charged lots of money for their ministry, but this just showed how important their ministry must have been. They seemed to have a lot of spiritual runs on the board, lots of followers. They seemed popular, they seemed important. They gave off an aura of strength and presence when they were with the Corinthians. Surely this was who had been approved by God to give witness to Jesus Christ, the ruler of the whole world. Well, Paul says in these verses that we just read, that as shiny as their ministry appeared, these other apostles were really just hucksters. It's a good word, huckster. It's uh, since reading this, it's become one of my favorite words, actually. I'm going to use it going forward. If you're not familiar with what huckster means, join the club. I had no idea either. I did a bit of homework for you to fill you in so that you can make this one of your new favorite word. Hucksters are people who are in it for themselves. Uh, Think of the dishonest salesman who sells you something that breaks three days later for an absorbent price and you bring it back to him and says, look, this is broken, I'd like a refund. And he says, too bad, you bought it, that's your problem. Dishonest salesman, this is the kind of person that you'd call a huckster. Hucksters of God's word are those who use God's word for their own gain. Paul says here that there's actually many who do this. 
people who take the word of God and use it for maybe financial gain. People who take the word of God and use it for fame or for popularity, for the praise of other men. Maybe people who even use the word of God to feel good about their own spiritual efforts. Witnessing to Christ for them becomes self-justification. It's a Pharisaic spirit. Chapter 10 of 2 Corinthians, Paul says that these type of men, they commend themselves. Hucksters will tell people about Jesus, absolutely, but only for their own sake, not for anyone else. The mission is really about them. And as shiny or as um, great as their witness, their ministry might appear, Paul says that, that these people are not a genuine witness to Jesus Christ because they're really uh, in it for themselves. Paul's problem, I want to just clarify, is not actually with their eloquence. It's not with the method, the form that they appear in. His problem is with their heart. In Philippians 1, Paul recognises that, that God is so good, he's so resourceful, he's so great, that he will even take the witness of hucksters and lead people to Christ through that. But God's word to us tonight is for us to check our own hearts. You know, we've been talking about witnessing to Christ to the ends of the earth. Are any of our motivations for sharing Christ, for proclaiming the gospel, tainted with a spirit of self-gain? Is there any sense of us looking for the praise of other men as we do that? Is there any sense of us wanting to feel spiritual, as we witness to others looking like a, a good Christian. So if that's what a, a false witness to Christ looks like, what is a genuine witness to Christ? Paul gives us a wonderful image of what this looks like in verse 14. I wanna read it to you again. He says, but thank God he has made us his captives and continues to lead us along in Christ's triumphal procession. Now he uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere like a sweet perfume. Uh, Paul here is actually doing his own little bit of cross-cultural work. Uh, the city of Corinth was a part of the Roman Empire and Paul is here making reference to what is known as a Roman triumph, the Roman triumph. Uh, the Roman triumph was one of the most spectacular and important celebrations in Roman antiquity. The Roman Senate would award to a general who had been victorious in a battle over an enemy the right to lead a victory procession that trickled through the city of Rome. Maybe you could think about, you know, as, as uh, the football teams come back with their victory uh, from winning the grand final and they do a procession through the city. In Rome, these festivities uh, would last several days and most of the population would come uh, to show their support. It was, it was a procession designed to glorify the military strength of Rome. The victorious soldiers, the generals would lead the procession at the front and following the, behind them, they would um, show off their victory spoils, the plunder that they had brought back from the, the foreign land and also the prisoners who they had taken captive from the enemy. 
during this procession, often at the end, the, the Roman soldiers would actually execute these captives of the enemy as a show of strength and victory to those gathered around. It was, it was quite, a, quite a brutal event. Paul says here that he is part of a triumphal procession, a victory parade. But it's not being led by the Roman army. It's Christ's victory parade. God's the one leading it. But the interesting thing is that Paul doesn't see himself as a Roman soldier, you know, at the front who is victorious. He sees himself as a captive, someone who has been captured by God. See, the Bible says at one point, Paul and us were in rebellion towards God, living in ignorance of Him, in sin, enemies of Him, in fact, the Bible says, in our rebellion. But through Christ and Christ's self-sacrificial death on the cross, our rebellious, sinful selves have been captured by the love of God. We've been overcome. Our obstinate self-reliance has given away to a submission to the living, true God. We are trophies of God's grace in His victory procession. And as we form part of His victory procession, we bring glory to His name, to Christ the victor. I don't know about you, but I'm glad God has overcome my sin with His love on the cross. I am glad to be counted among the captives in God's victory procession. This is the part that I I want you to get tonight. God is also leading us to um, a sense of death. God's leading us to put our rebellious, sinful selves that that were fueled by self-ambition and self-gain to put the huckster in us to death. And in doing so, begin to operate in the way of Christ. Self-sacrificial love. The hardships, the weakness, the suffering and the difficulty that Paul had faced in his witness to Jesus Christ, this did not delegitimize his witness. This did not indicate that God had not put his seal of authority on what Paul is doing. Indeed, these struggles and hardships are Paul's witness to Christ because he was enduring these difficulties out of a love for the Corinthians, out of a love for the Ephesians, out of a love for the Philippians. A life of genuine witness to Christ is cross-shaped. A life of genuine witness to Christ is cross-shaped. The way that we genuinely witness to Christ is to do as he did to take up our cross. In other words, to sacrificially love others. This is not just sacrifice because it's the right thing to do. This is not sacrifice for the sake of sacrifice, of feeling you know, holy about ourselves. Oh, look how much I'm, I'm giving up. This is sacrifice under the leadership of God as He leads us to love and serve others. And Paul says, Paul says, 
that as this victory parade meanders through the streets of Rome, as it meanders through the streets of New York, as it meanders through the streets of Brisbane, this victory procession is the aroma of Christ. It's the fragrance of Christ. Spreading the knowledge of Christ wherever it goes, everywhere it goes. I recently heard a a beautiful story of a couple in our church doing just that, spreading this aroma of Christ here in Brisbane. Uh, Through Bridge Care, they had come to know a single mum in Brisbane uh, with very difficult domestic circumstances. She she has uh, five children that she looks after by herself and another one on the way. And uh, one of the kids, uh, one of her children was already very ill, but just recently, another of her children, uh, who's only four years old, was diagnosed with leukemia. Uh, At the instruction of the hospital, this family jumped straight into treatment, which meant that the uh, the mum had to stay with her son in the hospital as he underwent this treatment. Uh, But that meant that the other children would have no one to look after them. So this couple in this church who had already provided lots of hampers and other helps heard about this need and they tried to arrange uh, for some help for these children with community organisations and uh, and other contacts that they had, but nothing seemed to be working out. And and as, um, as that happened, they sensed God saying to them, I am leading you to be help here. So in response to that, this couple took the other four children into their home for a period of time and uh, are now doing trips to the hospital, cooking meals and helping with schoolwork and other things. When I talked to this couple just this week, I asked them if they found it difficult and they said, yeah, we we have. It's been really demanding. It's been um, consuming. But they said they could not help themselves because they love this woman, this woman. And God had led them to do it. They know that, that from the outside, it might not seem to make sense to, to take these children into their home, that maybe it seems a little bit extreme, but you see, this couple are a part of God's victory parade. They are dying to a life of self-gain, dying to their own desires, and they are setting out to live a cross-shaped life in self-sacrificial service of others. This isn't how hucksters operate. I get that, but I wanna tell you, this is the aroma of Christ. This is what a genuine witness to Christ looks like, who died for sinners who took up the problem that we had created for ourselves in order that we might have new life to bring us to God. This is why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1, 23, he says, what we proclaim is Christ crucified, Christ's self-sacrificial love. He says this in Colossians 1, 24, I am now rejoicing in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh, I am completing what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of His body, that is the church. A genuine witness to Christ embraces 
self-sacrificial love, putting to death our old rebellious nature and living in the new way of Christ. It's not always going to look as demanding as taking four, child, four children into our home. It's, it's not about heroic acts, you know, who can sacrifice the most. It's about listening to God and seeing what His unique call is for us to serve others. For me this week, a simple example, I want to show you how simple it can be. Um, I'm a bit of a coffee snob, as some of you will know. I'm not necessarily proud to say that, but this means that I just have a few places that I like to go to get my coffee. Uh, but one morning this week, uh, as, I, as I was going to get a coffee, I sensed that I needed to go somewhere that I wouldn't normally go to get a coffee, if that sort of makes sense. And, uh, you know, well, what do I do? Maybe I go, I go for what I really want, or is this a leading from God? Anyway, I prayed and I said, well, what, what's to lose here? I went to where I wouldn't normally go. And as I went there, I, I just had a wonderful discussion with the owner. I got to encourage him in some of the difficulties he's facing in his business there at the moment. Got to leave some of our bridge care cards there in the coffee shop so that others might be able to find help. You know, this, this, it's not necessarily a massive thing. It's listening to God, his leadership as he leads his victory parade to join in the procession, to be the aroma of Christ spreading throughout our city. Uh, to finish with tonight, I want to show you an amazing piece of art. It's going to come up, hopefully, on the screen. This is a, a drawing, a picture of a vision that God gave to someone in our church, Yolandi, uh, that she passed on to me just this last week. I want to read you part of the message that Yolandi sent explaining the heart behind this piece of art. She says this, at one of the city services this year prior to COVID, during the worship time, it was at the end of a service this particular night, and I just remember the worship time being really intense. It was so evident the Holy Spirit was in the room working, and it felt like everyone knew it, and everyone was just giving their all in this worship time. Personally, I felt moved this particular night during that worship. I remember standing with arms open and just praising God. The Lord shared a beautiful picture that night of our praises as a church rising up to Him as sweet fragrances. You might be able to see that in the picture. Rising flowers and gardens. Not only was the fragrance pleasing to Him, the fragrance and garden began to cover the city. Flowers and vines and fresh green trees filled the city. I distinctly remember seeing vines going out from the church building and wrapping around buildings of the city. The fragrance being released filled the air and covered over all of Brisbane City like a heavy mist. It was such a beautiful picture. I literally began to smile and tear up. At the time, I was so moved. I originally started to create the piece the next day, but then felt something wasn't right. Looking back now, it was just the timing. Nevertheless, in recent weeks and days, I've been reminded again of this picture over and over, and especially the words fragrance and light. What a beautiful image. I'm not sure if it's still on the screen. Hopefully we can get it there. What a beautiful image. It's, it's a divine image, in fact, because it's inspired and given to us by the living God through his servant, but from the living God. The praises that rise up as we worship God in song, they're like the, the tip of the spear, the leading edge of 
our lives that are to be lived in devotion to God. And in reflection upon this word that that we've received, I believe that what God wants to say to us tonight as His people is that He is calling us to join in His victory parade through our city, through Brisbane. It's happening. Christ is leading His victory parade in our city. And it's, it's like an aroma, a sweet fragrance spreading throughout over the people of this city, wherever our leader, the Lord Jesus, takes us, His people. He's calling us to be trophies of His grace, to demonstrate that we have been captured by the love of God. As we are led by Him in this procession, die to being hucksters, coming alive in service to others, to be witnesses of the man who took up a cross on our behalf. I believe this is God's call to us. I understand that this seems like a big responsibility. Paul actually says here in these verses, he says, who is sufficient for these things? Well, he says, um, not the hucksters, not those witnessing for their own selfish gain. The people who are able to bear that responsibility are those so compelled by the love of their master, Jesus Christ, that they follow him in laying down their lives for the sake of others. We don't have to worry about the results. That's actually God's responsibility. To some, we we will smell like death, this passage says. But to some, we will be the scent of life. And as they take that in, they will actually come and join us in God's victory procession. This is not about heroic acts. We don't have to manufacture victories. Christ has taken care of that. Our responsibility God's calling to us tonight, his people, is just to live a genuine witness to him. To lay down our selfish desires, living for ourselves, and to live a cross-shaped life in service of others. Why don't we pray together and, uh, and allow God to minister to our hearts in this moment as we wrap up. Loving, loving God, great and mighty God, here we are. Your people sitting in lots of different places at the moment. Lots of different places around our city. But you say everywhere where there is a genuine witness, where there's someone who is willing to follow you, Christ, there will be the the aroma, the sweet fragrance of the knowledge of God. And so it's in fact wonderful that, uh, that, you know, there's that sense tonight, God, that we just split up and separate around this city because we're your people wherever we go. And uh, my prayer tonight, God, is for some who recognise that they have maybe been operating out of 
um, selfish ambition, maybe out of a desire to, um, for something other than, than loving you and loving others. And, and Lord, I just pray that as they recognise that tonight, they'd take a step of repentance. They'd come, they'd bring that to you, Lord. We're not to be repelled from you. We're to draw close to you as you put your finger on something in our our lives. And so I just pray for people even now as you're speaking to them and and bringing conviction for the sake of blessing that would follow as they move in in repentance to you, God. Father, my prayer is that you would find a people submitted to you May we be a people who are saying yes to joining in the victory procession of Christ to be the fragrance of you wherever we go, every day of the week, everywhere, all the time. God, we bless your name. Thank you for bringing us to yourself. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Just in response uh, tonight, to what God's saying to us. I just want to encourage you this week to reflect and maybe just listen to God as to the maybe one action He wants you to take this week in service of others, to be a genuine witness to Christ. But we're going to sing a song uh, as we wrap up our service tonight. Let's worship Him together, reflect on His Word to us. Father, we thank You and it's true, You are King and Lord. And uh, what a privilege to be a part of this service tonight, even if it is online, great God, to worship You, to hear from Your Word. And I just pray, Lord, that You would continue to compel us to move into action as we go about our different things this week, great God, move in our hearts. And uh, we just continue to surrender to You that You would use our lives in Jesus' Name. Amen. Hey, it has been really good to have you online tonight. If you responded in some way or another, if you clicked uh, the response button on your platform there, then we would love to get in contact with you. Or if you just wanna find out a little bit more, feel free to email through to hello at bridgman.org.au. But it's been so good to have you here. We'd love to see you next Sunday. Feel free to join us then. Have a good night. Thanks for joining with us for our service today. If you sense God speaking to you or you'd like to find out more, we want to help and encourage you on your journey of faith. You can reach out to us via our website or email hello at bridgman.org.au. And don't forget, if you have a prayer need, we'd love to pray for you. And you can fill in a prayer card on our website or email prayer at bridgman.org.au. I'm praying God's blessing for you this week and we look forward to connecting with you again soon.